0: it all comes down to what's called the quality of life if somebody's hormones are out of balance creating you know some physical issues then it's worthwhile to replace hormones what's nice about progesterone because it blocks the three most toxic hormones in the body it provides many benefits progesterone is in the bloodstream for only about five or six minutes the effect would last for hours on insulin and adrenaline Adrenaline is a hormone that most people have heard of, but nobody really ever talks about it. and yet it's the underlying cause of many conditions felt to be incurable.
1: Welcome to the Melanie Avalon Biohacking Podcast, where we meet the world's top experts to explore the secrets of health, mindset, longevity, and so much more. Are you ready to take charge of your existence and biohack your life? This show is for you. Please keep in mind, we're not dispensing medical advice and are not responsible for any outcomes you may experience from implementing the tactics lying herein. Are you ready? Let's do this. Welcome back
2: to the Melanie Avalon Biohacking Podcast. Friends, I have been so, so eager to release this episode. Oh my goodness. Ever since I first read Dr. Michael Platt's book, all about the role of hormones and especially things like progesterone, I bought his progesterone cream. I had actually been using progesterone supplementation for years. I saw a massive, massive difference with his cream. And then I talk about this in the episode, but I turned my sister onto it, who struggles with PMDD, and it got rid of her PMDD like in a week. I'm not making that up. She was shocked. Since then, I've also turned multiple other people onto it, and they've reported back that it just obliterated things like hot flashes. This is truly, truly incredible. Guys, get this cream. There is a discount if you go to platwellness.com slash discount slash Melanie Avalon. So that's P-L-A-T-T wellness.com forward slash discount forward slash Melanie Avalon. And then you can use the coupon code Melanie Avalon that will get you 10% off. There's also another coupon code Melanie Avalon 10 that will also give you 10% off. You can try either of those the show notes for today's episode will be at melanieavalon.com progesterone. Those show notes will have a full transcript, so definitely check that out. There will be two episode giveaways for this episode. One will be in my Facebook group, IF Biohackers, Intermittent Fasting Plus Real Foods Plus Life. Comment something you learned or something that resonated with you on the pinned post to enter to win something that I love. And then check out my Instagram. Also find the announcement post about this episode to enter to win something that I love. I have a very exciting announcement, friends. I have officially launched a TikTok channel. I've been on Instagram for a while, but it is time for TikTok. And with the channel, I'm going to be posting daily, very high quality, awesome biohacking content, tips and tricks, things from my life. And I really want to bring the glam to biohacking because I feel like biohacking can be very male centric or focused on a certain type of person, and I just want to break that stereotype and bring all the sparkles. So please join me there. My handle is Melanie Avalon Official. Please let me know what you'd like to see from me, what you think of the content. I do feel pretty shy about it. So please join me so that we can be friends and just go on the most epic biohacking adventure. Okay, friends, spirulina update, it is still coming. I know it's been taking a while. It's just because I want to make the most ideal spirulina tablets on the market ones that are tested for purity and potency and to be free of all pesticides and just the highest quality. So we've got that spirulina source. It tastes awesome. The issue we're experiencing is that in order to make it into tablets, it requires another ingredient. If you're currently taking spirulina tablets and they say they are one ingredient, they are not one ingredient. There is something in there that is helping to keep that structure. So we're trying to figure out which route to go with this. It's really fun because I keep trying different samples. I think I know which one I like the most, but we'll see which one I end up picking. Either way, I really love the taste of our spirulina. It doesn't taste fishy or LGE, and I really experience the benefits. So stay tuned for that. In the meantime, you can get my other Avalon X supplements at avalonx.us. Friends, have you jumped on the seropeptides bandwagon yet? I take it daily. It is one of the most important supplements in my arsenal. This is the new year. Start it off right. Get some serapeptase. You can get 10% off with the coupon code Melanie Avalon, as well as a 20% off code when you text Avalon X to 877-861-8318. That's Avalon X to 877-861-8318. Those codes will also work with my fantastic partner, MD Logic Health. For that, go to melanieavalon.com slash MDLogic. And of course, all of my supplements I formulated to be the very best on the market. They're tested multiple times for heavy metals and mold. They're free of all common allergens as well as problematic fillers, which goes back to that whole spirulina formulation issue I was talking about. You can learn about the compounds, create your own list to share and print, and finally take charge of your food sensitivities. It is a top Apple app, often in the top 10 for the Apple food and drinks charts. And friends get it now because I'm going to be updating it to a subscription basis soon. So you definitely want to get grandfathered in for life at one super low price. Mission to change this. Every single ingredient is extensively tested to be safe for your skin so you can truly feel good about what you put on, and their products really work. I am obsessed with their overnight resurfacing peel their vitamin C serum. They have shampoo and conditioner skincare lines for every skin type and incredible makeup. It's so amazing that Tina Fey actually wore all beauty counter makeup when she hosted the golden globes. So yes, it is high definition camera ready. You can shop with me at beautycounter.com slash Melanie Avalon and use the coupon code clean for all 20 to get 20% off site-wide. Hi, friends. Welcome back to the show. I am so incredibly excited about the conversation that I am about to have, and I am so excited to tell you the backstory on what led up to this. So I have been very aware of the, I want to say obvious, (laughs) importance of hormones in our health and our entire well-being, but I hadn't really done a deep, deep dive into the science of all of them and how they affect our body. I had just gone on my own rabbit hole tangents on the internet learning about things. Interestingly enough, about six years ago, one of my holistic practitioners actually suggested that I take oral progesterone for various health-related issues, and I quickly did research and realized that probably wasn't what I should be doing, and I switched myself over to a progesterone cream, and I've been very fascinated with the role of progesterone in health, so I was super excited to be exposed to the work of Dr. Michael Platt. He has a few books, but I, in particular, read his two books, one, The Miracle of Bioidentical Hormones. How I Lost My Fatigue, Hot Flashes, ADHD, ADD, Fibromyalgia, PMS, Osteoporosis, Weight, Sexual Dysfunction, Anger, Migraines, dot, dot, dot. And then his other book, Adrenaline Dominance, A Revolutionary Approach to Wellness, which is a fascinating deep dive into adrenaline, which... I feel like isn't really discussed that much in its pivotal role in many health conditions. Now, the life-changing thing about all of this is not only did reading those books just provide me with a foundational educational approach to hormones that I am so grateful for, but I immediately after reading them ordered Dr. Platt's progesterone cream. I switched over to using that. It's been incredible. I'm sure we can talk a little bit about that. But my sister... She has had PMDD, which is basically the really intense form of PMS that is accepted in the medical world as you know something diagnosable in a real quote disease or whatever you would call it. She struggled with it for you know over a decade, ever since she's had a menstrual cycle. Actually, I told her I was like Danielle, <laughs> I was like, I think you should try this cream. I think it might actually address your PMDD. She was pretty skeptical because she's been trying to, quote, fix her PMDD for years. Like it honestly makes her life hell. I finally convinced her. And within a few weeks, she told me that her PMDD was gone, like just gone. And... (laughs) I thought that was going to happen, especially after reading Dr. Platt's books, but I didn't want to get my hopes up. She didn't want to get her hopes up. So we are just blown away. And now every time there's a sale for this cream, I text her and she like stocks up. That was a really long intro, but that's just a testimonial to say that this hormone stuff really, really works. And that's just the progesterone. We're going to talk about adrenaline and estrogen and testosterone. So Dr. Platt, thank you so, so much for being here. You've already changed my life, my sister's life, and I think you're about to change many of my listeners' lives. Thank you. (laughs) So to start things off, can you tell listeners a little bit about your personal story? You do talk about it in your books, but what led you to the importance of working with hormones, with you know, bioidentical hormones, with your patients? And what led you to write these books and, and everything that you're doing today?
0: The thing that had the most dramatic influence on my life is that my, my mother died at the age of 61 of breast cancer. And right after she died, I realized that I had inherited her hormones. You know, most people do not realize that men and women have the identical hormones different levels, but the same hormones. And, and the reason I said that is, is that, you know, she had a, a belly on her. She, she had a lot of fat around the waist, but she was thin everywhere else. And the, the only thing that'll, that'll put, put on fat like that is insulin. And I know that every time I used to drive, I would have to slap my face trying to keep my eyes open. So I figured that I, I actually had increased insulin. And the fact that she had breast cancer, I realized that she was low on progesterone. So I thought, well, maybe there's a connection between the progesterone and the insulin. And I started using progesterone cream. And after I did that, ever since that day, I've, I've never gotten sleepy in a car. So that really sparked my interest in hormones. And so I started trying to learn everything I could. And so I started incorporating bioidentical hormones into my practice. You know what's interesting, if you ever read my my books, you'll notice that there are no references in my books. you know there's no references to other articles or or books or whatever and and the reason for that is that everything I have learned, I have learned from sitting down talking to my patients, which is actually called observational based medicine as opposed to evidence based medicine, which I don't believe in I'm not a, but in any event, but that's how I got started with with hormones and i I realized after again. Dealing with thousands of patients, I started finding out about adrenaline and how that played a role, and we'll we'll talk about that. Adrenaline is a hormone that most people have heard of, but nobody really ever talks about. And yet, it's the underlying cause of many conditions felt to be incurable, like your sister's PMDD. You know, PMDD is you know premenstrual dysphoric disorder is all about adrenaline. Maybe right now your sister can attest to the fact that it is not incurable, even though doctors say it is. And whatever. So that's a little background.
2: So, you just touched on just in that story of what led up to what you're doing, so many different things affected by specific hormones that people might not anticipate. So, you're talking about how you get sleepy while you're driving. And you talk a lot about the connection there with sleepiness and insulin and its relation to progesterone. You talked about, you know, the location of your mom's fat and how that affected everything. So all throughout your books, I mean, you basically link every single health condition to hormones. So a question about that, is it chicken or egg with hormones? So do the hormones go out of whack and then we get these issues? Or is there something that happens and then the hormones get out of whack?
0: Or both. People need to understand that hormones actually control every system in the body is controlled by hormones. And you can readily understand that if hormones go out of whack, then the systems will start going out of whack. And as people get older, you know, their hormone levels drop. Except for men, <laughs> with men, their est- estradiol level actually goes up. all other hormones go down so i I, I think it, it's the hormones going out of whack that have a great effect, but also, I guess there are certain conditions that can affect hormones, so that would be like the the chicken <laughs> instead of the egg
2: so actually, I'm so glad you said that about the hormone levels dropping with age and then how it's affected in gender. This is a question that haunts me. So like menopause, for example, the fact that our hormones naturally or women's, like whatever hormones drop in women and men, whatever hormones raise, what do you think is the evolutionary purpose there? Like why do we stop making hormones if we need them so bad? Why does that happen? And then is it natural to bring them back if the body is naturally dropping them off anyways?
0: You know, it's it's an excellent question. I think humans probably were not supposed to live as long as they do live, and hormones are strictly genetic. In other words, you inherit hormones from both parents. So I don't think we're supposed to be living as long as we do, and so that's why the hormone levels drop off. I'm not sure. I'll be honest with you. But in terms of replacing them, it all comes down to what's called the quality of life, and if somebody's hormones are out of balance creating a, you know, some physical issues, then it's worthwhile to, to replace hormones. You know, the, the question mark comes up about things like growth hormone, whether that should be replaced. And I'm not sure. Yeah, some people feel that growth hormone speeds up the aging process. So what's nice about something like progesterone cream, which happens to be my favorite hormone, there's no downside to it. You know, and because it blocks the three most toxic hormones in the body, you can see that it, it provides many benefits or maybe your listeners will see.
2: The episode I aired this week was with Dr. Walter Longo. He's a fasting researcher at USC. We talked about this menopause question, and he said the exact same thing that you just said, basically that maybe we weren't meant to live as long, and so these hormones naturally drop off because... We're just not meant to live as long as far as like the reproduction and and everything that happens with that. Okay. So progesterone, because there's so many ways we could go with this conversation, but what is progesterone you just said that it blocks the three toxic hormones what would those be so what is the role of progesterone in the body
0: well but most people think of progesterone as a hormone that blocks estrogen and and it does and 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 think about estrogen and specifically estradiol to me it's a very to- it, very toxic hormone and the reason i say that You know, it it, it is the reason why women get cramps and PMS and breast tendons with their periods, but but it also causes fibroids and endometriosis and polycystic ovaries, and it causes gallbladder disease and asthma and migraine headaches and lupus and rheumatoid arthritis. And, you know, it causes blood clots and, and also it causes six different cancers. So to me, you know, estradiol is a very toxic hormone and progesterone is the hormone that blocks estradiol. And then the other, you know, insulin, you know, you can't live without insulin, but insulin is a hormone that it raises blood pressure. And it also is, the, is a hormone that speeds up the aging process. And then the other hormone that progesterone blocks is adrenaline, which is an important hormone, especially if you're in danger. But that's a rare incident. But, you know, and we'll go into the problems related to excess adrenaline, but it can be considered a very toxic hormone. The other thing is, you know, what I should mention is that all hormones are made with cholesterol. Not surprisingly, they find that women with the highest cholesterol levels have the greatest longevity. And yet, the number one selling drug are statin drugs to lower cholesterol. And this is in spite of the fact that 75% of people that have heart attacks have it with low cholesterol. I have to be honest with you, I'm not a big fan of our our (laughs) medical system, and especially big pharma. But I I just wanted to reassure those people in your audience that have, you know, high cholesterol. You know, when I was in, in medical school, a normal cholesterol was 300 and they had much less heart disease then. But when they came out with the statin drugs, they couldn't get enough people on the drugs. So the drug companies lowered the upper limits of normal, you know, not the medical system, but the drug companies decided what was normal. So they immediately put it down to 260 and millions of people had to get on the drugs. They actually got the normal level down to 160 because they wanted to put children on these drugs. And we can talk about cholesterol later, but I just wanted to mention that because we brought up longevity. So
2: see, that is fascinating because normally I feel like it's the opposite in that a lot of the conventional ranges are, well, it's not really the opposite, but a lot of the conventional ranges are raised to adapt to a sicker population, you know, like raising the um, HbA1c or something like that. But wow, the fact that cholesterol, that's a huge change from 300 down to 160. That's really concerning. Two questions about that. One is, so you know when you were in medical school and it was a higher upper limit Do you think it even matters like the HDL to triglyceride ratios or like those type of factors? Do you think there's been change with that? Or do you think the ratios are more important or do you think it's about the the numbers?
0: Well, HDL is probably important because it does help prevent coronary artery disease. You know, what's interesting about cholesterol is that the one thing I mentioned is that high levels are not necessarily bad things to have. But the other thing is, again, when I was doing my training, they used to call cholesterol the poor man's thyroid test. And, and the reason for that is that the thyroid controls cholesterol metabolism. And if somebody does have a problem with elevated cholesterol, the primary approach should be to just put them on thyroid rather than put them on a statin drug, which has so many side effects, you know, brain damage, memory loss, permanent nerve damage, irreversible kidney failure, heart damage, sudden death. I mean, these are all side effects of, of these statin drugs, with, which actually have very little benefit.
2: So people with lower cholesterol levels, is that like enough cholesterol to make all the hormones that you need? Like where's the danger start with too low cholesterol and just not having enough raw materials to make
0: hormones? I, I would say anything cholesterol level below 160 would be of concern. The ideal cholesterol level for a woman is like 239. And yet the doctors consider anything above 200 as being high.
2: The other ones you were talking about, estrogen, insulin. So this was an interesting concept. I had not read this before, but you discussed how progesterone actually antagonizes insulin. Could you talk a little bit about that?
0: You know, a lot of people get sleepy between three and four in the afternoon. And and the reason for that is that that's when insulin levels peak. And again, you know, a number of people get sleepy when they're driving, which is also a low blood sugar. What's nice about progesterone and, so, and some people get sleepy right right after eating, because as soon as you put food in their mouth, the body is putting out insulin. So the thing about progesterone is that it blocks insulin, so it prevents people from getting sleepy after eating, prevents people from getting sleepy in the afternoon, and prevents people from getting sleepy when they're driving. This is not actually a, a known benefit of progesterone, but but now you, you, your listeners will know when, <laughs> that it is one of the benefits. That's why... When it comes to using progesterone, I very often recommend using it before meals as another way of actually controlling adrenaline. And, and the reason for that is that, and we'll discuss this later, but the reason why the body puts out adrenaline is to raise sugar levels for the brain. One of the ways of keeping adrenaline manageable is to prevent low blood sugars after eating. And that's what progesterone does.
2: So that sleepiness with the low blood sugar, my confusion is: do some people it just stays low and they get sleepy? Where some people adrenaline kicks in and then raises it and then they get alert again? Like, does adrenaline always jump in and help out with that?
0: Always, yes. You know, when a, when a person is driving and they're getting really sleepy and like I, you know, and I don't stop. You know, as I said, I was just slap my face. It actually takes about five or ten minutes for. The body to release adrenaline and bring sh- sugar levels back up. That's a long five or ten minutes when you're trying not to go off the road. Yeah, so there is a, a time frame involved. So if somebody gets sleepy in the afternoon, you know, a- again, adrenaline will kick in, and, and so they'll wake up again. But yeah, so there is a time frame involved.
2: What is though its actual purpose? Like, why
0: do we have progesterone? Interesting question. I, I think primarily, you know, it's sort of as a woman's hormone, even though it's not, you know, men and women, as I said, have the same hormones, but it's a hormone that its main function actually in in women is to get the uterus ready for pregnancy. You know, that's why it's called pro, you know, progestational or, and women very often find that once they start using progesterone, if they're still menstruating, that they'll actually have heavier periods and might maybe even spotting and this is because what it's doing it's actually healing the uterus and it's a temporary phenomenon those kind of side effects go away but like i say a woman cannot have a successful pregnancy without progesterone the number one reason why women have trouble conceiving is a low progesterone the number one reason why women have miscarriages is a low progesterone so again in terms of conception it's an incredibly important hormone but what's not appreciated is is its effect on other hormones other than estrogen.
2: Hi friends. Do you want to come hang out with me and Dave Asprey and so many other guests I've had on the show? You simply must come to the 10th annual biohacking conference, May 30th through June 1st in Dallas, Texas. Seating is limited. They do sell out. They sold out last year. So get your ticket now. And if you come, definitely let me know because I want to meet you. So hopefully see you guys in Dallas. MelanieAvalon.com slash conference with coupon code BCMelanie. Get your tickets now. I'll see you guys there. So when I started using your cream, I started spotting. And when my sister started using it with the PMDD, it actually delayed her cycle. It was, it was funny because... I don't know if she wants me to share this, but she texted me and she was like, can it delay your cycle? And I was like, it probably can, you know, change things around a little bit. She's like, okay, because either she's like, my PMDD is either gone because of this cream or, or my cycle's delayed and I'm pregnant. And I was like, oh, well, we'll find out pretty soon. It was the cream, by the way. So questions about supplementing progesterone, you mentioned how it naturally drops with menopause and how no side effects and how it can bring all these benefits. I mean, because reading your books, I mean, it just seems to be like the miracle hormone that can do so many things, address so many conditions. Does supplementing with it, is there a feedback loop? Does that downregulate our natural production? Can we oversupplement? Are there side effects?
0: Well, in general, you cannot overdose on progesterone. You can actually use it, th- you know, like 30 times a day. You run out of it, but you, you won't overdose on it. There's no such thing as a progesterone stimulating hormone. So using progesterone will not lower a woman or man from making progesterone. You're familiar with P- PCOS, positive ovarian syndrome. And, and again, the cause of that is a low progesterone. And and what happens is, is that the pituitary senses the progesterone levels are low. But the problem is, there's no such thing as a progesterone-stimulating hormone. So it just sends out a sort of a g- generic stimulus to the ovaries to make more hormones. So what happens is, the ovaries cannot make more progesterone, but the stimulus makes them produce more testosterone and more estrogen. Women get all the symptoms of problems related to PCOS in terms of, you know, unwanted hair growth and acne and, 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 and you know, cramps and, and whatever. But unfortunately, the progesterone level stays low. So the treatment, of course, of polycystic ovarian syndrome should be to get progesterone. And once the, the levels go up, then the pituitary will stop sending out those other stimuli and the testosterone level goes down, the estradiol level goes down. But most women with PCOS are treated with birth control pills, which actually prevent them from making progesterone. You know, doctors get no training in hormones. And the reason for this, again, is that, you know, doctors are not trained to treat the cause of illness. You know, you know basically our whole medical system is controlled, again, controlled by drug companies who, who don't, you know, who thrive on disease and illness. And so the less doctors know, the better for the drug company. Anyway.
2: So with the PCOS thing, I also had Dr. Benjamin Bickman on the show and we talked about PCOS and he was positing that high insulin is the cause of PCOS. I mean, if you're saying that progesterone lowers insulin or antagonizes insulin, I mean, that whole narrative would go together. With there being no stimulating you know, signal for progesterone, is, is that unique in the different hormones? Do the other hormones have an individual signal or is it always just a signal to create hormones in general?
0: Well, no, it's not specific to progesterone, but it is important to understand that, you know, insulin resistance is considered part of PCOS. You know, that doctor was correct, but I don't believe it's the reason why women have PCOS. I think the, the insulin resistance is more related to the progesterone situation.
2: It's kind of like the analogy I'm thinking of, I don't know if this is an appropriate analogy, but it's kind of like, Omega threes, so people, you know, we might see all these benefits to omega threes, and um, a lot of people f- might eat massive doses of farm salmon. When really, you're not going to get concentrated high dose of omega three in farm salmon. You're also going to get high omega six and saturated fat. The alternative would be to just, you know, take like krill oil or get the pure omega three. Maybe that's a similar comparison. <laughs> so estrogen. Estrogen is actually often prescribed, though, in conventional medicine for various health conditions, as are synthetic versions of progesterone. So what are your thoughts on current conventional system and how it prescribes hormones and hormone replacement?
0: You know, people may have heard the term bioidentical hormones. Now, bioidentical means that the hormones that are being prescribed are identical to the hormones that the body produces. Now, why this is important is that the way hormones work is that they attach to hormone receptor sites on different cells. And the only hormones that can really attach to these receptor sites are the bioidentical ones. So you can always get more of an effective type uh, response using hormones that the body recognizes rather than the synthetic ones, which are the ones that are generally used. The problem with those kinds of hormones that you're mentioning is that they prevent women from ovulating? The only type of birth control that I ever recommend is a what's called a copper seven IUD, which is non-hormonal, so it doesn't affect the woman's hormone. Yeah, I'm not a big fan of birth control pills. <laughs> yeah, I really, you know, it, I, you know, anything that that prevents the body from making progesterone, I I don't recommend.
2: I was telling my mom because she has a lot of hormonal issues and things that she struggles with. And, you know, I'm trying to turn everybody onto your cream. So I was trying to convince her to take your cream, but she had been told that she needed estrogen because her estrogen levels were low. So I think that's a, a dialogue that's happening a lot between patients and doctors. Do you think there's ever a time for supplementing estrogen?
0: Well, remember, you know, estrogen, to, to, you know, or estradiol to me is a very toxic hormone. The only reason why a woman needs a high level of estrogen is if she's trying to get pregnant. That's the only benefit of, of a high high level of, of estrogen. Now, when it comes to estrogen, there, there are basically three different types of natural estrogens. There's, there's estradiol, there's estrone, and there's estriol. And the only estrogen that I recommend is estriol. And, and the reason for that, it's the only estrogen that doesn't cause cancer. In fact, it's so safe, they've used it to treat breast cancer because it takes up estrogen receptor sites and breast cancer cells and prevents the stronger estrogens from, from attaching. But also, esterol is the only estrogen that is effective for vaginal dryness, which sometimes is a problem for women after menopause. Yeah, so there are ways of of resupplying estrogen, you know, that will help with, you know, the skin and hair and, and whatever. and without giving them the toxic effects of estradiol. And estradiol is the most common estrogen that is replaced after the menopause.
2: The one that you like is the one that's commonly prescribed?
0: No, no. The one no the one that I like is not commonly prescribed. And that's it.
2: so estradiol is normally prescribed, but you like estriol?
0: Yes, correct.
2: Okay. Is estriol even available as like a pharmaceutical prescription?
0: Well it's available by prescription. It's also available over the counter. We have a therapeutic strength of estriol on the website.
2: let so say a person is, which I, I feel like this is probably a rarer case because after reading your book and just from what I've seen, it seems like estrogen dominance seems to more often be the issue than low estrogen. But if a person was low estrogen and they supplemented progesterone, for example, what would happen in that case?
0: Well, it's, it's not going to harm them at all. Yeah. I mean, progesterone is safe whether you have estrogen or, or you're not taking estrogen because it. Well, well, you know, so many benefits. You can't harm anybody with progesterone. You talk in
2: the books about how, like there are progesterone sites all over the body. So people might experience, you know, different effects based on the receptor sites. So I was wondering if you could talk a little bit about that.
0: Now, are you talking in terms of side effects or are you talking in terms of just effects in general? Both. Okay, in terms of side effects, There are are a lot of progesterone recepticides around the nipple area. So some women may experience some tenderness around the nipples when they first start using progesterone. This is, again, a temporary phenomenon that goes away. But aside from that, the only other side effect, are you familiar with something called type 3 diabetes? Yes. And for your listeners, type 3 diabetes is another term for it is, is insulin resistance in the brain. What that means is is that the insulin in the brain has a real hard time getting glucose into the brain cell. And why it's important to have knowledge of this is that it's probably the number one precursor to Alzheimer's. The the thing about Alzheimer's it's it's really a disease of prevention. So progesterone, one of its benefits is that it does create some degree of insulin resistance, which is why it prevents people from getting sleepy when they're driving or sleepy in the afternoon or sleepy after eating. But if somebody already has insulin resistance in the brain and uses progesterone, it will increase the insulin resistance and make it even harder to get the glucose into the brain cell. And as a result, the body immediately starts producing, um, sending out extra adrenaline to raise sugar levels for the brain. And so people that have type 3 diabetes or insulin resistant, resistance in the brain, once, As soon as they put on progesterone, they'll have a, an immediate outpouring of adrenaline. And so they get palpitations or a lot of muscle tension or anger and whatever. That, that is actually the only side effect of progesterone. And it only happens in people that have that condition. But the benefit is, is that they don't have a, they, there's no way of testing for type 3 diabetes. There's no test for it. But the actual test for it is using progesterone, and if they get that kind of reaction, then people can be alerted to it and once you know that you have insulin resistance in the brain, there are things you can do to prevent the onset of alzheimer's it It's actually a good side effect or a beneficial one because it can diagnose a condition that has no di- no test test for it
2: so if you take the progesterone cream and you get like anger and palpitations and that response it might be a sign that you are in the type 3 diabetes world. That's fascinating. The normal response to progesterone, I touched on it earlier. Like I originally was taking oral progesterone, and I was talking with one of my nurse practitioner friends recently, and she was talking about taking oral progesterone. But you talk in the book about the potential downsides of oral progesterone and how it can be converted in the liver to other hormones. So what is the difference in people taking oral progesterone versus a cream?
0: Because the progesterone is, 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 is taken orally, it'll it actually passes through the liver before it gets into the general circulation. And once again, once oral progesterone gets to the liver, it converts it into another hormone called allopregnanolone. And allopregnanolone is not progesterone. And one of its major side effects, it makes people very sleepy. And this is why it's usually prescribed at night. But people should understand this is not progesterone. The difference is, is that when people use a cream, which is considered like a trans, transdermal type administration, is that the cream goes directly into the bloodstream and bypasses the liver. So it goes to all the receptor sites before it goes to the liver. You know, doctors, again, receive no training, and especially when it comes to hormone. So they're not aware that oral progesterone should never be used.
2: When you put it on transdermally, does it go to receptor sites close to where you put it on, or does it have a systemic effect?
0: Oh, well, it, it's completely systemic. Even though you put it on the arm, most of the progesterone eventually winds up in the brain, actually. And when you know, when the fetus is in the womb, by the way, it's progesterone that actually helps the brain to develop. When the fetus is in the womb, it gets it gets exposed to incredibly high levels of progesterone, incredibly high level. I mean levels that cannot be duplicated. So while we're talking about this, you know, some women have a fetus that does a lot of kicking and those fetuses that do a lot of kicking, that's adrenaline, by the way. And, and these are usually the babies that when they're born, who will have colic and colic is strictly caused by adrenaline. And what's nice about progesterone is that you rub it on the baby's belly, the colic goes away in about three minutes. So you don't have to stay up all night with a crying baby. And it's, a, it's you know, and again, giving progesterone to, to a baby is ex- exceedingly safe because when the baby was in the womb, it got exposed to incredibly high levels of progesterone.
2: Do hormones cross the blood-brain barrier then?
0: Well, yeah, they do.
2: Okay. And have all their effects. For listeners supplementing, the progesterone cream, is the protocol to put it, you know, a thin skin area? Can you put it on the same area? Multiple times, do you need to switch around sites. How does that work?
0: Yeah, you know, but well, most people that provide progesterone recommend rotating sites. I, I don't. You know, th- probably the, the most easily accessible place is to, to apply the progesterone to the forearm, and, and you you rub the two forearms together. Now, what I do recommend is that every so often, that people scrub their forearms with a, with a loofah sponge. And what that does, it gets the cream out of the pores. Now, you don't have to worry about the receptor sites because again, the cream goes directly into the bloodstream and goes all over the all over the body to re, to the receptor So you don't have to rotate, but it is recommended that every once in a while to, to scrub the arms just to get the cream out of the pores. And I'll talk more about dosage when we talk about adrenaline, so.
2: This is sort of a random question, but Are hormones created in both for women, like the ovaries and the pituitary?
0: And the adrenal gland.
2: And the adrenal glands. So is there any difference in the actual hormone? Like, does it matter at all where they were produced from or or not?
0: No, where they're produced from is not important because, again, different hormones are produced. Like fat cells produce estrogen. So it doesn't matter where they're produced. They'll be the same hormone.
2: I'm so fascinated by fat cells and how basically once you start heading down the road of accumulating, quote, unhealthy excess fat that is producing estrogen, I mean, it's sort of just like a self-perpetuating problem because, I mean, I'm guessing, because then it kind of tells us, you know, does it release hormones, like release estrogen and encourage even more fat accumulation?
0: Yeah. That's an interesting question. I don't know why fat cells would release estrogen, but the estrogen probably does get into the bloodstream. The thing about estrogen, it, it's what they call a, a lipogenic hormone, which means it creates fat, and it puts on fat usually around the hips, thighs, and buttocks, and it's all, it's where se- leak comes from, is all—it's where cellulite comes from—is from estrogen. Progesterone, on the other hand, is a thermogenic hormone; it helps the body to burn fat, but The thing about progesterone is that you don't want to put it over fat cells because when you put it over fat cells, it can actually increase fat. Oh, it can? Yeah. So that's why, you know, applying it to areas of the body where the skin is thin is better.
2: I still take NMN. However, I am much more alert by directly giving your body NAD, and historically, the most common way to do that that is accessible to people was through NAD IVs and NAD shots. I actually never did an NAD IV for a few reasons. One, they are extraordinarily expensive. Two, I've been doing the shots, which I liked because they were easy to do. That said, they always made me feel a little bit unwell right afterwards. And I've heard that the IV makes a lot of people feel unwell. So if the shots were making me feel unwell and that was going into the muscle first as like a barrier, I can't even imagine what putting it straight into my bloodstream would have done. Plus with the IVs, you have to sit there for potentially hours. So basically, Basically IVs were a no-go for me. So like I said, I was doing the shots, but I was like, I wish there was an easier way to do this. Then a company called Ion Layer reached out to me anti-aging help with your stress help with lack of sleep and or optimize your partying you need these patches friends and I'm so excited because working with the company has been amazing and they are giving you guys $100 off which is incredible so to get that discount just go to melanieavalon.com slash ion layer that's i-o-n-l-a-y-e-r and use the coupon code melanieavalon to get $100 off your first order. I cannot recommend these enough. I'm going to use them for the unforeseeable future, probably for the rest of my life. It's literally just become part of my arsenal now. Like when I'm getting ready to go out, usually once a week, put on my NAD patch. And even if I don't go out that week, I still like to do one once weekly. Oh, P.S. They're also amazing for traveling. You guys know I'm not a big traveler. I've been doing more traveling recently and I wear these on the plane there and back. Game changer. Although it's really fun at TSA, especially because I already opt out and don't go through the scanner thing. So they already are suspicious. And then they're like, what's that on your arm? And I'm like, it's NAD. And then they're like, what's that? And then I'm like, it's a coenzyme in your body that's involved in a lot of metabolic processes and energy production and DNA repair. And then they just look at me really weird, but it's fine. It's totally fine. So again, that's MelanieAvalon.com slash IonLayer to get $100 off your Ion Layer kit. It comes with six patches, totally the way to go for boosting NAD levels. And I cannot recommend it enough. MelanieAvalon.com slash IonLayer with the coupon code MelanieAvalon for $100 off. Oh, interesting. Do you know why it would increase fat?
0: That, that's a rabbinical question. A what question? A question you have to ask the rabbis because they, they know. Oh, Okay. <laughs> Have
2: the answer to everything. Okay, I'll uh I'll write that down on my to do list. Okay, so we keep teasing adrenaline. So your book, Adrenaline Dominance, is fascinating, especially you provide a, a really really fascinating approach to something a lot of people and maybe even more than we think struggle with, and that is ADHD. So I was wondering if you could talk a little bit about adrenaline. Uh, wait, really quick question: Is adrenaline a synonym for? epinephrine or are those are those different?
0: It is. No, they're they're both, both the same.
2: Okay. So what is adrenaline? What have you discovered in its connection to ADHD and the different types of ADHD?
0: Well, it, adrenaline is actually a hormone as well as a neurotransmitter. It's both. And it affects the body differently, whether, it, whether it's the hormone or the neurotransmitter that, that's being affected. The thing about ADHD there's a lot of misconceptions and misinformation about ADHD, but what people don't realize is that it, the most intelligent, successful, people, creative people in the world have ADHD. Just about all doctors and lawyers have ADHD. And the thing about adrenaline is that it, adrenaline, is, as a neurotransmitter, is what gets people intelligent. So, it, you know, and so most intelligent people will have increased adrenaline. People that have the most adrenaline are creative type people, actually. And we'll we'll talk about that. But when it comes to ADHD, what people may fail to realize, it's not a learning disorder. It's an interest disorder. In other words, people with ADHD have no trouble focusing on things they're interested in. If they're not interested, they'll have a hard time focusing. And the reason for that is that the adrenaline again, it's a neurotransmitter, speeds up the mind. So, and this is why people with a lot of adrenaline very often talk very quickly. But if somebody with a lot of ad- adrenaline, if they're not interested, they get distracted very easily. So, but actually, and if a child has ADHD, that means that one or both parents have ADHD because it's always genetic, always. You could actually eliminate ADHD uh, within 24 hours just by lowering adrenaline. You know, they put... Kids on drugs like Ritalin, Sudara, Adderall, and these drugs all have side effects like sudden death. And if a child doesn't have ADHD and you put them on one of these drugs, the drugs will give them ADHD. And the reason for that, they're strictly, you know, they're pure adrenaline. These drugs are all stimulants. That's why a lot of kids don't like it because it it numbs their brain. Is what it does.
2: The conventional ADHD drugs are adrenaline, even though we were just saying how adrenaline. High adrenaline is the cause. So if it does help a person, a kid, like how is it helping?
0: For whatever reason, it it may actually be causing a drop in the body's own production of adrenaline. But I know it, but they numb the brain, which allows, I guess, kids to focus better. But they, they, they don't feel good on these drugs, which is understandable. Well,
2: it's so interesting. So speaking to what you were just talking about, the focus issue and the interest issue being a thing. So I read your books and I had this new view of it. I was talking with my friend and she was saying that her son, she was saying that her son, they were trying to tell her that he had ADHD. And she was saying that he can focus. He can focus if he really likes doing it. She's like, he just doesn't like focusing if he doesn't, like what he's you know what they're trying to get him to focus on and i was just like oh (laughs) that's what dr platt said (laughs) in his book so for a child um and maybe we can talk about adults too with adhd you said the answer is lowering adrenaline cannot be done through supplementing
1: progesterone with children
0: well yeah you know progesterone remember it blocks adrenaline but the, the primary approach to dealing with people that have increased adrenaline is actually to treat the reason why the body's putting out adrenaline. By the way, I should mention, I had classic ADHD when I was a kid. I used to get up and walk out of class. I couldn't focus at all at school. It wasn't until I got into medical school that I started studying because I was interested in medicine, but there was nothing in high school or college I had any interest in. So I, I can relate to these kids that have trouble focusing. You know, what, what happens is you just wait till the night before the exam to study. And because the adrenaline, you know, provides intelligence, you can pass your test. You don't learn anything, but you, <laughs> but you get back.
2: So how do we lower the adrenaline?
0: Well, what makes it relatively simple is that there's only basically two reasons why the body puts out adrenaline. You know, one is if you're in, in danger, you know, they, they call it the fight or flight hormone. But danger is a real, it's, it's, it's a very unusual. It's not a very common reason why the body puts out adrenaline. What what people do not appreciate or realize is that the main function of adrenaline is to provide glucose, sugar, to the brain. And again, what people don't realize is the brain actually uses more sugar than any other tissue in the body per, per weight. And anytime the body detects that, that the brain is running out of glucose, it automatically puts out adrenaline to raise glucose levels. Now, what this infers is that the way to approach problems with increased adrenaline is just to provide the brain with the fuel that it needs so the body doesn't have to use adrenaline to provide the fuel. And that's the whole premise behind treating problems related to excess adrenaline is give the brain the fuel that it needs. Now, the brain uses two different fuels. I mentioned glucose and the best source of glucose for the brain actually comes from vegetable. Now, you don't think of glucose as being a great source of sugar. Excuse me. You don't think of vegetables being a great source of uh, sugar, but they're carbohydrates, and all carbohydrates break down into sugar. So, so I'm sorry. So we're talking about vegetables, and what's good about vegetables is that they're they're low glycemic for the most part. Low glycemic means they don't produce a lot of insulin. You know, candy and soda are great sources of glucose, but they're high glycemic. They produce a lot of insulin, which actually lowers sugar and defeats the purpose. So. And green vegetables are like almost like zero glycemic. They produce very little insulin. So that's why vegetables are a good source of glucose for the brain. Now, the other fuel, which is probably more important, are ketones. And most people have heard of what they call a ketogenic diet, which I I don't recommend, only because it's a very difficult diet to accomplish. But you can get ketones directly from coconut oil. Or something called MCT oil, MCT, medium chain triglyceride oil, which is derived from coconut oil. The uh, coconut oil is best used for cooking because it has a very high heat threshold. And MCT oil has no no flavor, so it can be added to anything. Many people have heard of bulletproof coffee, which has MCT oil in in it. So if people are providing fuel to the brain throughout the day, now keep in mind that the brain can use up fuel as quickly as three hours. So throughout the day, you know, some form of vegetables, some MCT or coconut oil, and especially before going to sleep and eating something before going to sleep. And the reason for that is that adrenaline peaks at 2.30 in the morning. This is because the brain runs out of fuel right around 2.30 in the morning. And a lot of people wake up at that time to urinate because adrenaline gives people that urge to urinate. Women have what they some women have what they call an overactive bladder, you know, where when they have to go, they have to go and they're running to the bathroom. And some women lose urine while they're running to the bathroom. They call it that urgency incontinence. But an overactive bladder is strictly adrenaline and again very easy to fix. So people can wake up at two thirty in the morning and get that urge to urinate. But so that's why it's important to eat something before going to sleep. And where where progesterone cream comes in is that it helps to block adrenaline and it blocks insulin. So, so that's why I advise using progesterone before people eat and especially before going to sleep and to help control insulin. And helping control insulin is another way of controlling adrenaline because it prevents that hypogly- hypoglycemia.
2: When you're using the uh, progesterone to control insulin before eating, how long does that effect last in the bloodstream where it's affecting
0: insulin? Well, progesterone is in the bloodstream for only about five or six minutes, but it attaches to receptor sites. And that, that's, remember, that's how hormones do, do what they do. So the effect of progesterone could last for hours, actually. Okay. The
1: effect
2: on the insulin? On
0: and insulin and, and adrenaline and, and estrogen, yes.
2: With the adrenaline, because I think when people think adrenaline, they think stress hormone, what is its relation to cortisol? Do they go hand in hand? Are they completely separate?
0: Well, no, they do go hand in hand. Adrenaline is a stress hormone. It's, you know, when people have stress, they have a lot of adrenaline. Now, what, what's interesting is that I, I mentioned that adrenaline peaks around two thirty in the morning. And, and remember that the reason why the body is releasing adrenaline is to raise sugar levels. And you know, a lot of people are concerned about weight. And when people are either eating sugar or the body is making sugar, if you don't burn it up, then the body takes that sugar and stores it in fat cells. It gets converted into fat. Now, when the body releases adrenaline, it creates stress to the body. And the body responds to stress by putting out cortisol. And the first thing cortisol does, it also raises sugar levels. Adrenaline does it by a process called gluconeogenesis, where it converts protein into sugar. The thing about cortisol, it raises sugar through another process called glycogenolysis, where it converts glycogen into glucose. But the point is is that while people are lying in bed, now they're putting out two hormones that both raise sugar levels. And I am 100% convinced that this is the number one cause of weight gain. You know, when people are are trying to lose weight, they don't realize that most of their weight is coming on while they're sleeping. Or trying to sleep. So, I just want to mention that. So, cortisol, you know, again, is not a happy hormone. You know, it, it can cause osteoporosis, it, it, you know, causes weight gain, uh, it damages the immune system. So, you know, they have a condition called adrenal fatigue, which, which your people may have heard of. And adrenal fatigue is it, it's a naturopath diagnosis. And, and the reason why they're the ones that diagnose adrenal fatigue is that they do saliva tests on hormones. And the thing about adrenaline, adrenaline is a survival hormone. And as part of the survival response, it cuts off blood supply to areas of the body that are not not needed for survival. You know, when people experience cold hands and cold feet, that's not a low thyroid, that's adrenaline. And it also cuts off blood supply to the intestines because they're not needed for survival. And that's what constipation and irritable bowel syndrome comes from. And and also, it cuts off blood supply to the salivary glands because they're not needed for survival. So the hormones don't get into the saliva. So when they do a saliva test, they find low cortisol levels in the morning when they should be high. And based on the low cortisol levels on a saliva test, they diagnose adrenal fatigue. And their whole approach to adrenal fatigue is to raise cortisol levels when they're already high to begin with. I just want people to know that adrenal fatigue is a non-existent condition. And that's why I never, ever recommend saliva tests for hormone. It just never makes sense. Yeah, so cortisol, again, just like adrenaline, is not a happy hormone.
2: I mean, that's a paradigm shift right there because definitely the term adrenal fatigue is, I mean, casually thrown around all the time in the health circles. So the adrenal glands, do they ever become fatigued? Do they ever stop producing hormones?
0: There's a thing called adrenal insufficiency where the adrenal glands don't produce hormones. This is not related to, and that's not adrenal fatigue. That's adrenal insufficiency. And another term for it would be Addison's disease. And that's a serious condition that needs to be treated with hormones. But again, if anything, the adrenal glands don't become fatigued. They become, again, overactive. And they, they can actually hypertrophy, get larger.
2: Friends, you guys know I love wine. Do you love wine? I've done a lot of research on wine, and I truly believe there are a myriad of health benefits. The longest-lived populations drink wine. The polyphenols have a ton of potential health benefits, activating anti-aging sirtuins, potentially supporting our immunity, maybe even encouraging weight loss. Yep, it's actually not alcohol that makes people gain weight. It's what they eat All right. Now back to the show. This is a super random granular question, but so you were talking about people on lower carb diets or ketogenic diets. So in a stress state with adrenaline and cortisol trying to raise blood sugar levels, would it matter at all if you were glycogen depleted? So like if you were following a low carb diet and say your glycogen stores were depleted, if cortisol works by glycogenolysis, would a low-carb state mean that adrenaline is the preferred hormone for raising blood sugar levels? Or does the diet you're following in your glycogen stores not really even relate to that?
0: I don't I know if, that, if that's an actual... I, I, I personally have never run into a, a problem that I was aware of that, that was happening. What you're talking about logically makes sense that, that maybe there, there could be an issue with that. But, but again, since I don't deal with low, low, I don't put people on low carb diets. Maybe that's why I haven't run into an issue with it.
2: So with the MCT oil, are you concerned at all about energy toxicity if people are, you know, having a carb rich diet, but then also bringing in the substrate of ketones or does it work pretty well for your patients?
0: Well, you know, everybody's different. You know, for example, you know, some people do a lot of exercise. When pe- people are using their muscles, the muscles are burning glucose also, just like the brain burns glucose. So, so, so sometimes you know diets have to be adjusted to to make sure they're getting enough carbohydrates. But I haven't, yet, you know, you it just, it, it's not that complicated, you know, just make somebody have, you know, two, three, four tablespoons of coconut oil or MC2L per day, and, and be, at least in the beginning, and eat some, some form of vegetables throughout the day and use the progesterone cream, in in 24 hours, there'll be a dramatic change. 24 hours is all it takes. You know, people that have road rage from adrenaline can get rid of it in 24 hours. You know, bedwetting in children is only caused by excess adrenaline. And you only see that in creative type children. And again, because I mentioned creative people had the most adrenaline, but you can get, get rid of bedwetting in 24 hours. So yeah, I, I like simple. I like easy. I, I don't like complicated.
2: What about? I was actually talking to you about this offline, but what about vegan diets? Can they support healthy hormone production?
0: Yeah, ab- absolutely. You know, the the only thing vegans have to be concerned about is vitamin B twelve, because that's only found in meat. So that should be added to their meal plan. Yeah. So yeah, vegan diets are actually perfect. You know, because they provide the you know the, the glucose.
2: Is low cholesterol an issue if somebody's following a, a vegan diet or like, a, you know, a low fat plant-based vegan diet? Will they have sufficient cholesterol to make their hormones?
0: That's an interesting question. I, you know, I, I don't ever, you know, fat is not the enemy, even though we've made it the enemy, but it's not the enemy. You know, fat is the only food substance that doesn't stimulate insulin production. You know, insulin is what creates fat around the middle. So, you know, every, ever since medicine took over weight issues, we've had an epidemic of obesity because they Put everybody on low carb diet
2: or low fat diets
0: and both yeah
2: oh, oh oh low carb as well yeah oh so you think low carb is creating an issue
0: oh no well, actually well more importantly the low fat diet i think, created a lot of a lot more problem
2: i don't know if there's like a word for it but i've heard there's like a a critical window of i think progesterone supplementation like or maybe it's just bioidentical hormones in general like a certain age where If you supplement during that age, then it will have beneficial effects. But if you don't, then it might not be beneficial later. Do you know what I'm talking about? Does this ring a bell?
0: Well, no, I've never heard that.
2: Oh, okay. Fail. I'll have to look it up. Yeah, it had something to do with like needing to supplement hormones at a certain time. And I think it had to do with how it related to menopause. And then if you did it later, that it wouldn't have the same effect. So I'll have to circle back on that. Some questions to like kind of bring everything full circle. Why is there all of this controversy in the conventional medical system with, you know, supplementing with
0: bioidentical hormones? Well, yet, yes, remember, they get no training in hormone doctors, you, you know, and the doctors that have the least knowledge of hormones are actually gynecologists who are the ones that are supposed to be taking care of women. People don't realize that. But anyway, I, I guess, you know, there was some concern, you know, over that woman's health study. Which indicated that you know combination of estrogen and, and progestins certainly increased the incidence of breast cancer. That was that was an honest type concern because they did. I think doctors for the most part are uncomfortable with hormones because they don't know anything about them. You know, like I said, they they had no training. And you know, you know, some doctors go for a weekend seminar and think they know about hormones. But you know, it, I'm just saying that they haven't been trained in hormones, so that's why they don't feel comfortable with. Them.
2: Well, just to dispel some of the myths, so I just want to get super clarity. So like, for example, you sell your cream, so people can just buy that. They don't need a prescription. How is that different from a type of hormone that you would endorse that would be prescribed through a compounding pharmacy? And like, what is the FDA's involvement in all of that? I think it's just a lot of like confusion out there about (laughs) about everything.
0: Yeah. Again, our hormones are bioidentical and They're not sold under a pharmaceutical license. It's sold under a cosmetic license in terms of the manufacturing. So they are, you know, otherwise people would need a prescription. Now, the only hormone they will will need a prescription for uh, is testosterone. And that's a controlled drug. And testosterone, let me tell you something, it's an important hormone, you know, especially, you you know, not only for men, but for women also. You know, the normal cause of death in women is heart attacks. And, and they occur six times more commonly than any other cause of death. And when women go through the menopause, you know they 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 have stopped making testosterone, and the heart has more testosterone receptorsites than any other tissue in the body. So I, I I believe testosterone is important for women after the menopause. They cannot have a libido without testosterone. The only other hormone they need for libido is progesterone. They need both hormones for libido. And but I think I think the the reticence that doctors have when it comes to hormones is they just don't know them or understand them
2: with the testosterone, i I learned so much in your book about all of that, especially while dispelling two myths. one that you know, it's testosterone is thought of as like a male hormone, and you don't really think about it for women who may be low. And then on the flip side, progesterone is thought as a female hormone and not often. Thought of as something that men could benefit from, you did make an interesting point about how, regardless of how low a male's testosterone levels are, if they have a sex drive, you don't ever prescribe testosterone. Is that correct?
0: Let me tell you something. When it comes to hormones, you could never go wrong treating a patient, but you can go wrong treating a lab test. So I feel always more comfortable about you know treating people rather than lab tests. Yeah. So when it comes to hormones, they, they provide wellness to people. I remember I had a patient that came in to me, he, he was 47 years old. And the reason he came to see me is because every morning he would wake up and vomit. And, and the only thing that'll cause that kind of vomiting is, is adrenaline. And needless to say, he also has severe fibromyalgia, which is also caused by excess adrenaline. So we started talking and, and I had some progesterone on my desk and I put some on his forearm and he rubbed his two arms together. And we 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 continued to talk, and about five minutes later, he sat back in his chair and he looked at me and he said, "Doc, in my entire life, I have never felt this good." And that's only just after five minutes. And since he left my office, he never had another episode of vomiting. I guess the the point is 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 that when you treat the cause of illness, you know, you get you can provide a real interesting quality of life to people that they weren't experiencing. And and that's very rewarding. And and doctors, unfortunately, very rarely see that, you know, where a doctor patient says that they've never felt better. But anyway, so people need to realize hormones are important. Now, when it comes to men, you know, men stop making progesterone right around the age of 50. And if you think about it, it's after that age, you know, when men get into the middle age, they, they start putting a weight around the middle, you know, and that's because they have no progesterone to block insulin. And then they start getting prostate cancer, which is caused by estrogen. And because they have no, you know, progest- no longer have progesterone to block estrogen. So, you know, hormone replacement, you know, uh, is important. But, you know, you have to remember, we live in a country where they do not allow preventive medicine. There is no preventive medicine in this country. And, and that's why the United States is on the bottom of a list of health care of all civilized countries. We have the highest incidence of every known medical condition, and even including infant mortality, we're at the top of the list. We don't have a good medical system. I'm going to get off my sofa.
2: I cannot agree more, as can most likely a lot of my audience. And that's a really powerful story that you just shared. And I mean, some listeners may be skeptical, but I'm I'm telling you, like, (laughs) my sister, I saw it, you know, something that she struggled with for 10 years and thought she was going to have for the rest of her life. And it's just, it's just gone. I think you said in, in one of your books, you get this question, like, is it really that easy? And it can be <laughs> sometimes.
0: It's like fibromyalgia. You know, there are o- over 4 million, m- maybe around 8 to 10 million people in this country that have fibromyalgia, you know, which is a, basically a pain condition. And basically they've all been told that there's no cure for it. But, you know, you can't cure a condition unless you know what's causing the condition. And that's the problem is that doctors are not trained to treat the cause of illness. But with fibromyalgia, you know, it only takes like three days. And if, if, they're, if they're eating well or, or up to three weeks to get rid of it. So I don't know.
2: So, speaking to that, you know, the lack of knowledge with the doctors and the super importance of treating the patient and not the test results. So, for listeners listening, if they are struggling with, you know, any of one of the numerous conditions that might be linked to, that probably is linked to hormonal issues and that might be addressed by like progesterone cream, for example, is it, okay for them to just you know, try and get the cream and experiment with themselves? Or do they need to be working with a practitioner?
0: No, they, yeah, they can't harm themselves with it. You know, l- let me explain some symptoms a person might have if they have a lot of adrenaline. First of all, they'll have trouble sleeping. They may have trouble falling asleep. They may have trouble staying asleep. Some people grind their teeth at night. Some people have what's called restless leg syndrome. You know, that's all adrenaline. And when people have a lot of adrenaline, they'll find they're quick to anger, a little short fuse. They might experience cold hands and cold feet. They may carry a lot of tension in the back of the neck. And that muscle tension can cause headaches and also can cause tinnitus. And, and tension of the neck from adrenaline is probably the normal cause of tinnitus. And when it comes to headaches, you know, a lot of people think they have migraine headaches. But what I have found is that almost 100% of people that I have seen who thought they had migraine headaches actually didn't have migraine headaches. They had a, a different type of headache called occipital neuritis, which is, arises from the occipital nerve sheath at the base of the skull, and it causes excruciating headaches. That's why they're always mistaken for migraines, and very often the, the headache shoots right into the back of the eye. But and they'll and they, they can take their thumb and press into the base of the skull. They'll find a very tender spot. That's the occipital nerve sheath. But again, it's caused by increased adrenaline, causing muscle tension on on that nerve sheath, and very easy to fix, as opposed to migraine headaches, which are not easy to fix. But you know, people also get Botox injections, you know, to get rid of occipital neuritis, but they're thinking that they're migraine. But it would be a lot simpler instead of using a, a a toxin, a poison. They can just reduce their adrenaline. So the back of the neck is a real good place for progesterone cream when people have a lot of tension there or the upper shoulder. Normally, it's put on the forearm. You rub the two forearms together. People that have what's called restless leg syndrome, they can uh, put a pump on the top of each thigh and massage it in. And 30 seconds, the restless leg syndrome will go away. Some people get cramps in their calves or feet. Again, that's also adrenal, and you just have to massage progesterone to, uh, into the cramp. So, and I mentioned, you know, babies that have colic, you just rub it on their belly and go away in about three minutes. And it's, it's, a, it's just a very safe hormone. You know, they have a thing called an overactive bladder in women. Again, that's adrenaline. And I mentioned the urge incontinence. So, you know, road rage and bipolar disorder and, and PTSD, it's all adrenaline. And every condition that, that I've mentioned can, can be eliminated or greatly benefited by lowering adrenaline and and the the, the primary approach to lowering adrenaline is to give the brain the fuel that it needs and the progesterone is the icing on the cake because it blocks adrenaline blocks insulin and whatever so
2: so the progesterone is systemic but if you have an issue like restless legs or tension headaches you do benefit more from putting the progesterone closer to that area
0: absolutely yeah
2: okay very cool well, I bet listeners are probably really, really excited to try some of your progesterone cream. So your website, is at platwellness.com, correct?
0: <clears throat> That's it. Yeah.
2: I'm super grateful. So, you have a discount code for my audience, and you can use the coupon code Melanie Avalon to get a discount on your purchases. I'm going to be using your progesterone cream for life, probably as will my sister and everybody else that I turn onto it. I cannot thank you enough for everything that you're doing. I mean, reading your books, like I said, was just so eye opening. I honestly wish everyone could read these books and make changes in their own life accordingly. Was there anything else you wanted to touch on that we didn't address?
0: Well, if if people do have an issue with with excess adrenaline, on my website, they'll also find a meal plan to lower adrenaline, if that's helpful for them.
2: Oh, awesome. Perfect. Well, so for listeners, I will put links in the show notes to everything. Again, the show notes will have a transcript and the links, and that will be at melanieavalon.com slash hormones. Thank you so much, Dr. Platt. Well, first of all, thank you. Listeners don't know this, but we spent like almost an hour <laughs> before this trying to get connected. So the most valuable thing I think you can give somebody is your time. So I so appreciate your time, everything that you're doing. The last question that I ask every guest on this show is... And it's just because I realize more and more each day how important mindset is. So what is something that you're grateful for?
0: I have to mention my wife, Uh, who's been tremendously supportive for a lot of stuff that I've gone through. And that's about it. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs)
2: i love that again well thank you so much i'm so grateful this was just absolutely amazing and i can't wait to air it we'll have to stay in touch and yeah i hope you enjoy the rest of your day
0: okay and tell tell your sister she should be on the meal plan
2: i will i will i already texted her about all this i was like (laughs) i was like you got to do this stuff so i will tell her right after
1: this so thanks dr flat
0: my pleasure adios
1: bye